you are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5 or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host Ehsan Ali, a long-time IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack these stories, strategies, and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and I reach our full potential. Today's guest is very interesting. He became an accidental entrepreneur at 16 when he had just failed in his 12th exam. He ran his business for 10 years and of course did pass his 12th exam the next year and also did his graduation while continuing to run his business. After he sold his business he consulted with World Bank in India and then moved to Australia for his masters. He got his first job as a project manager, did it for a while and then started his business uh, in cyber security. Today Stickman the name of his company is a successful fast growing cyber security business. I'm keen to learn from Ajay Unni about his cyber security business success journey. At the same time I also want to understand how the early life failure impacted him later on how was the experience running a software company from 16 to 26 with no professional background also how did he get a project manager role in australia after completing his masters i hope to learn much more than these questions uh, so let's talk to ajay unni to get the answers get some inspiration and some real learnings from his entrepreneurial journey Hi Ajay, welcome to the show. Thanks Ashan. Thank you for having uh, me. Thank you for your time. I know Stickman is keeping you very busy and you took time out to have this conversation with me so I really appreciate it. Sure. And I hope you are keeping safe in COVID. I think we are locked down for another one month or so. That's correct. Yeah, someone was saying be prepared till the end of the year. I didn't think that long. I I didn't even know it will be end till end of July, but now it has become August. So let's see how it goes. Is you have a very uh, unique story of how you have started your career, and then what you do today. So we'll take you back in memory lane and ask you uh, why that 16 year old rather than starting to go for studies decided to start a business. So. I realized this only later why because I was too young then to figure out why I was doing what I was doing so the story is even further than 16 years old so I think I was probably 8 or 10 years old uh, my parents were very futuristic thinking and forward thinking and in those days in India uh, they said to my myself and my sister we'll give you pocket money as a means for you to learn how to manage money at yeah. a young age so that when you grow up you know how to use money yeah so i was super excited so i get 10 rupees i don't know what it's equal in today and my sister gets 20 rupees my so sister so got more <laughs> <laughs> girls get always more <laughs> i guess what i think and she was 5 years elder to me so probably she had that. more expenses <laughs> than i had uh, but anyway that was a beautiful day and my first day with actual money in my pocket i go to school and i start buying chocolates and toffees and lollies for my friends and myself i spend out maybe 2 rupees 
and then i used to love cricket i never really played that well but i still actually love cricket uh, and on my way back home i've always looked at the shop which is literally bang next to our home and they used to sell cricket balls over there i go in there and i buy the cricket ball i always wanted so this is the pocket money for the whole month so ajay only at his 8 or 10 years of age spends about a rupee in lollies and stuff and he spends in those days i think that ball was 8 rupees mm. and we had a book we had to write down what we spent and what date we spent and everything else so this is day one of the pocket money <laughs> what i remember was there was some money left like it was a rupee or something less yeah so i go home and my mom says how was your day and how did you spend your money let me see your logbook and i show her the book <laughs> she completely <laughs> lost it she lost it to the extent that you know there was no time for reasoning she said you're going to get punished and i all i remember is i'm running around the house and there was this room which had two doors so you could enter and exit and i was just running around exiting and entering that same door <laughs> in and out and she was chasing me so that i get punished and there was this point where she says you either stop or i'm going to throw the sandal at you and it's going to hurt you and i'm like i don't care and i start running and this is in slow motion i'm running and i look back and i see the sandal coming and it hits me on my nose ends my day basically and i start bleeding and my mom obviously she didn't mean to hurt me she was trying to teach me a lesson and then she was really upset that you know i was bleeding and then i still remember they they took us out for a movie that night i got three ice cream cones to eat uh, because well. of <laughs> i did really well but i think what i realized later in life what was driving me is that that 8 year old or 10 year old decided that i will show my mom and the world how to make money without saving mm. right it was it was an innocent decision which i made which today has become a reality luckily i could uncover that in my lifetime what mm. is what is that was driving me Mm. and i think everybody has some kind of a driver right mm. either someone's parents or uncle is a businessman or somebody else is a businessman or they they get inspired by other entrepreneurs or they've written a book so my inspiration was this it's it's a silly inspiration so sometimes i ask do i really want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> or is it just this 8 year old child still trying to show that you know so but the, the irony of the story is that child made that decision and didn't go into business the next day mm. the business idea probably came later in life mm. there were a few of our family friends who were in business and there was something different about those three individuals like in india we would call them uncles so yeah. there was something some aura about them they were always driven they were always out there it seemed like they were taking risks and obviously they were quite wealthy and mm. and i thought oh maybe this and these are all very faint memories it's not actually written down but i think those were the individuals who kind of silently inspired me mm. to do something about about my choice of what i want to do in life so that everything else was like my entire life has been by chance not by you know design i didn't do my standard 12th class and then graduation and then masters and or mba 
found a job, then started a business. So my life has been completely designed on the go. And I'm very pleased that it was like that, right? Because it gives me a lot of comfort. In fact, uncertainty creates more comfort for me. Uh, then that's interesting then, uh, Ajay. yeah that's a big thing you said you know, uncertainty creates comfort if we can all uh, uh, somehow learn to be comfortable with uncertainty life becomes very interesting i think how you use different states of mind and feelings is important you can't take one idea or one state and overutilize it it can probably destroy you in some instances or make you really you know crazy or mental Definitely. So you got to be careful how you use different states of mind. Mm. But I think, again, tracking back to how years. I start <laughs> the 60, even before 16, I think one of the things, the other thing what actually happened was that around that time, I I was studying in a school where my mom was the headmistress. This is my 12th standard. And I actually failed my 12th standard. I have a blog or an article written on LinkedIn called The Joy of Failure. Okay. And you should probably read that. Yeah. That's one of the first articles I wrote on LinkedIn. So The Joy of Failure, I'll tell you the story in in a snapshot. So I'm a 12th standard failure in a school where my mom is the headmistress. I lost that year. So that was the year I was sitting at home doing nothing and wasting my time. And my sister used to work in this computer academy. So my friend went and joined a computer course. So I told my dad, hey, I want to start. I want to learn computers and keep myself busy. Then they said, no, don't go there. Go to your sister's academy where she's teaching anyway. You can go together. It will save you money, cost. So anyway, I go learn computers that year. And I learned pretty quick. And I fell in love with computers. And it was, I think one of the best things which happened to me in my life. Again, it's all by chance. You see, Mm. I'm a failure sitting at home doing nothing. Somebody says, some friend says, I'm learning computers. Do you want to come join me? And then I go study. I had some experience in computers when I was 12. I used to go to my dad's office and they had this air-conditioned room in those days, which was the only air-conditioned room in the entire office during summer (laughs) breaks. So I used to sit there. I learned a little bit of basics, some games and stuff. But when I started going to the computer academy, I fell in love with computers to the extent that I used to take the first bus out of home to the center, go get in there as the first student, get into the lab and start working. And I used to be the last one to get out. And there were weeks and days I would forget to eat lunch or even I used to secretly go and smoke and stuff, but I used to forget to smoke and eat lunch because I completely drained, drowned myself in, in, in those days, the Microsoft Disk Operating System and Fox Pro and various other languages, yep. which I was learning. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just like I was into it. Mm. So with that learning, many of my friends knew I was pretty good at this stuff. So one friend, obviously slightly elder to me, used to work for a computer company selling computers. So he sold this computer to a college close by to my home. and. He and another friend came home saying, I sold a computer and the principal is asking us to build a software to print report cards for his college. Mm. But my company doesn't do it. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah, why not? He said, let's go now. And I'm like, okay. I was wearing my thongs, like my rubber chapels. Mm. I was wearing shorts, thongs, and a t-shirt and 
we went met the principal of this college and this is the joy of failure story so i'm a 12th failure sitting in a college which teaches 11th and 12th standard students <laughs> talking to the principal of that college to build a software program to print exam report cards for 11th and 12th standard students now it it may seem silly but i never even realized i'm doing all this at that this is 20 years later when i was reflecting back on this story i'm like did i actually do all that and i i had to do all the coding and everything but i spent a week i just sat there immersed myself as usual and i built the whole code i ensured that everything got printed and in those days you had those dot matrix printers so they had report cards in a specific format so we essentially started printing report cards within a week's time and the first the first exam results went out to 3000 students in a software written by me and the actual joy of failure when i realized 20 years later is i was sitting in another friend's house in in the same suburb where we lived and his neighbor comes to him and says you see our college is printing report cards in a computer now <laughs> and that kid doesn't know i was the kid who actually wrote the software right, and he never knew i was a failure either and all that mm-hmm. stuff so 20 years later i realized the joy of failure and through that failure process what i created for myself it has all happened by chance it was not like i failed so i did this and i did that but i think if i look back and if i have to give you the experiences you can be in any state failure success ultimate success ultimate failure completely depressed whatever state you are in it's basically the choice you make next right no mm. so you may fall down and you may choose to just lie down on the floor there and not get up True. and wait for people to come pick you up you may lose a job and you may go back home thinking that who who is going to give me a job and do nothing about it mm. you may make a shitload of money and think that you are invincible and then the next moment that you have no money right mm-hmm. so what i say is through failure you can become really upset and depressed and go into depression with success you can go into being arrogant and nasty and mm. don't care so both have its effects right mm. so success or failure you should know to acknowledge that state and accept that state and do what next in in a very conscious manner Yeah, rather yeah. than getting sucked into that standard like, emotion of either arrogance yeah. or carried away that's where and and that point so that client stayed with me for 10 years so i was technically quote unquote a freelancer in those days and the word freelancer sounded very cool because there was this movie in which this computer engineer is a freelancer and he wants to marry this guy's daughter it's that steve something his name is the actor i saw that movie and this guy introduces uh, himself to the girl's father saying i'm a computer freelancer and he says oh do you guys even make money and then he says yeah i make quite a lot of money and i think you see those little impressions how it formulates your life and even today i still remember that movie because I thought oh, I'll be a freelancer and I'll just go do these different gigs here and there and I'll make money and I don't have to answer anyone mm. it is just an innate state of I kind of began to enjoy that state right now some people say oh you were lucky ajay that you got this friend who well lucky or not but that friend could have come and I could have been sitting there as a failure saying oh you know I'm a failure what do you mean 
what software can I build, right? Now, yeah. luck, failure, chance, design, but I think life is not a manual you open and say, this is chapter one, I'll do finish it, then go to chapter two. I wish it was a manual and it had a script and <laughs> everything else. But I think everybody's life is a choice what you make. Some Definitely. people like me call it a chance. Some people say, no, I actually decided I'm going to do that. And I defer, design my life. But you don't know what the next second is going to portray. The next second, the whole computer network, everything can shut down and this podcast can end. Yeah, we don't know. Or I may just fall dead here on, in the podcast. But again, not being negative. But yeah. the point is, anything can happen. We don't know. We just We are just living life. And if you just want to live life, just live it, right? Mm. Live it in the the moment. I definitely get the point. Being in present is important. Accept the reality. Don't get arrogant about it or don't get too upset about it. These are all very uh, short moments and uh, it's not going to stay like that anyway. And I definitely get it. So for next 10 years, you uh, were doing work for this college. I read about you. You said the team became a hundred member uh, business. How did that happen and what kind of services were you doing? So that year I lo- I was sitting at home and I did this gig and he loved what I did develop for him. So the next project he gave me was to build his payroll system for the college. Then he gave me his accounting system to be built, his procurement system to be built, his admission system to be built. So we were building small modules like a mini ERP for the whole college itself and you know it was all progressive organically being built right and i did i didn't have any business experience i was just sitting with the accountant and the payroll staff and the admin staff and learning what they do and coding it like literally you know they would say this is the form or this is the book in which we write i would look at it visualize it and then go create a form and then create the workflows around it and it was just one thing after that. So I was learning. I had the, again, quote unquote, lucky that I got all that experience or the business, running a business experience. And I used to report to the owner of the college. So mm. I used to watch how these CEOs are running their business. Right. right? It was a unique experience for me because yeah. those days there was no head of IT or CIO. The, the owners or the actual CEOs were were responsible for taking accountability for developing software for their own business. And I was, I didn't have any package software. It was all custom built, right? So, so that one year I was doing this and then I got into, into my graduation. So I passed, luckily I passed after one year, I actually, and I failed in French. So I like to keep that very clear. (laughs) If I failed in mathematics or science, I would have been a bit more happier because I was really crap at that, but I failed in a language subject and it was doesn't sound very good. But <laughs> So anyway, I, I studied French again. I properly studied and passed my French exam. And then there was this college who was offering bachelors in computer science and I got admitted there in the college. And they were, luckily the college was only half a day's. So I start okay. in the afternoon, finish in the evening. So mornings I used to, so that year is when I teamed up with another partner, uh, two other partners to set up a company called Loggers, which mm-hmm. I ran for about 10 years. Right. Those partners left at the end of the first year. They didn't want to continue. 
but i truly enjoyed what i was doing for me it was not about the money it was about the opportunity to build something which i had no clue about i had no mm. experience mm. and people just trusted me they said well this guy seems to know how to code we'll give him a chance right and and that college had a chartered accountant firm which used to do their work and they were quite impressed with my work and they started referring me all their clients right they would just call say ajay i've got this client go build the tool for him and so i didn't even have a sales team so just through their network and i did a bit of sales myself i used to go door knocking in those days and try and sell software and stuff yeah but it was a tough gig but that was my first two three years that three years of graduation i was just doing this freelance stuff and building software and then after graduation i just decided to continue to run the business it was not making shitload of money but it was making enough for me to survive and then as i was getting more work obviously i couldn't keep coding on my own mm. so two of my biggest clients they had data entry operators in their business right both of them wanted to leave and join some software companies so they said can we come work for you again by chance right mm. so i went spoke to the owners they said oh you're taking my guy but i'm like he's a data entry operator man i'll get you 10 others it's not it's not rocket science it's mm. not a technical mm. and they kind of got it and i said it's better they work for me because they'll be doing your work mm. and they're like oh that's a great idea actually yeah, yeah go <laughs> ahead so i hired two of them from two different companies of my own clients and these guys stayed with me for 7 10 years it's really humbling they trusted me and then that's the company we grew to about 100 odd people they obviously left about 7 8 years later they got other jobs and had different plans and i merged the company with some of the company and yeah so that 10 12 years i ran loggers and then i exited loggers i actually sold the company to one of my clients who was looking at investing in software in those days and then i had a one year stint with them at the end of the one year i had an exit option to exit the business so i took the exit and i moved to new delhi i got head entered by a recruiter to uh, consult for world bank and asian development bank projects in new delhi so i moved from hyderabad to new delhi mm. as a consultant so i was what age of 26 27 i was an it consultant for world bank and asian development bank projects uh, which was a pretty prestigious role in those days against it was still quite nascent and not like today so mm-hmm. so yeah so that's my initial 10 12 years of my career that 16 to 26 year where guys are more interested in uh, different things sports and girls and stuff like that did you fully dedicate dedicate yourself to business or did you do anything more than business during that time yeah so that's the another part of the story so i say you're, you're absolutely right most of my other friends were chasing girlfriends and boyfriends and whatever else and and i was not very sporty anyway so and the story about the sport i don't know if you gathered i basically developed a hatred towards cricket after that incident you know <laughs> <laughs> in fact i am the 1 billion minus 1 indian probably who doesn't follow cricket <laughs> and probably because of that i never really went back to cricket because mm. uh, that uh, buying that ball but these are you know silly decisions you make as a child and then it remains with you and it defines who you are today definitely yeah it's funnily you you formulate 
lot of people think, oh, no, no, I never did that. But, you know, if you have the chance to reflect on your past, there are things you've, you've, you've created, like whatever I'm saying today, I'm actually creating or thinking every step I take just by that simple aspect of thought yeah. that I will go invest in this business or I'll go invest in that company is a decision you've made now and then you, you've taken that action. And if it becomes successful, great, you're all enjoying and everyone is having fun. If it goes bad, then there's no, I, I did a wrong thing, you know, and then you start blaming the past, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, I was not that that aware in those days, but as I grew older, I, I realized that, wow, those are the little decisions I made unknowingly, which is what I am today, right? And that's how I got defined. That's fantastic. Uh, one year with uh, World Bank, and uh, then you decided to do your MBA, and that's how you came Australia, is it? Not MBA. So, so that sorry, year masters I in moved yeah IT. Yeah, I moved to Delhi, but then the project was in Bangalore, Karnataka, uh, and I started traveling almost twenty days. I was in Bangalore, then back in Delhi, ten days, and then back and forth. So I did that. That one year, I was honestly quite lost. I was making money still. I was making pretty decent money in those days for an IT consultant role with World Bank, Asian Development Bank. And yeah, again, didn't know what to do. I kept spending all the money I had. You know, I was never really money conscious. I think that same thing that I can make money without saving mm. was playing back with me throughout my, my life. Even today, to some degree, it happens. I do <laughs> luckily have some savings. Otherwise, my wife will kick me out next. (laughs) But I think that inherent thing is there in me that if I see money sitting somewhere, it's like I want to get rid of it. And Mm. it's kind of a nice thing because I'm not attached to money, if that makes Mm. sense. Mm. I don't define myself with how much bank balance I have. Mm. Luckily, I know quite a few people who define themselves with the type of car they drive and the house Mm. they have and the amount of money they have. Uh, But yeah, I love to spend. Don't get me wrong. I love to have a good car, and but that doesn't define me. Tomorrow, if I have to have no car and take the bus, I'll, I'll probably just do it. I don't even. I, think, I won't even think twice. Right? I'm very similar uh, to similar to that mindset, Rajay. Yeah, and that's nice. And, and it's nice. important for people to have that humility because money can take you only that far, right? So. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, going back where we lost train of so thought you, again. When you were consulting, you were kind of feeling lost and what, what yeah, happened so, that made you to decide to come to Australia for master's? Yeah, so again, it was a chance, right? I, I My sister used to live in Delhi and she called me one day saying, can you pick up her husband from work? And he, something happened, his car wasn't there, I can't remember. So I said, yeah, sure. And I used to be very close to them almost every night having dinner there or my brother-in-law and I go for drinks or whatever. So I said, I'll pick him up and I go park his car outside his office and there's this big board saying study in Australia. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, study in Australia. Okay. So I pick him up. I didn't say anything to him. We had drinks, went home, had lunch, whatever dinner. Next day I drive back. Uh, I said, I'll pick you up again today. But today I got there a bit early and I went and met the guy. And the guy's name, I, you know, we still keep in touch, Pushpinder. Uh, he's in Delhi. He's now a very successful educational consultant and he's built a big business. Mm-hmm. And he's run a one-man show office in a little dingy place. And 
He said, yeah, you can apply to Australia if you want to study. And I started a bit of research, spoke to him. He said, yeah, I can get you an admission pretty easy. You mm. seem to have experience, da da da, da. Mm. Well, before you know, two, three days later, I have an application with, I think, Gold Coast University and one, one more university, Wollongong. Mm. And this is all just happening. I'm not even thinking ahead how I'm going to pay the fee. How will I migrate? What am I going to do about all my assets here? You know, nothing. I'm just just going as as things flow right in my head. Mm. And uh, he said, yeah, it should take about a few weeks to get the admission. And then you apply for your visa. That's about three months. And then you're probably ready to go. And I'm like, oh, okay, three months. Okay, how much money do I need? Okay, I figured out I have six months worth of money to survive. Like eat, pay my rent and pay my you know, tuition fees and everything else. And in six months, I'll have to figure out what to do. And then next thing you know, three months later, I think on to precisely on the 14th of July, 2002, I board Cathay Pacific uh, uh, flight from New Delhi to Sydney, man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. So so there you go. So I, I land up in Sydney. Absolutely no clue. I had one friend who luckily picked me up. His name is Christy. He picked me up from the airport. Very nice guy. He lives in New Zealand now. He housed me for a day and then I didn't have any place to stay. Booked a hotel for the night and then next day found a paying guest accommodation. Yeah, it was tough. It was not easy. After a driver at every doorstep and Lavishly living in India, having dinners and drinks in five-star hotels. You're the fact that I had to take a bus or a train and I couldn't afford a cab ride. Mm. It was very tough. The first six months was like, what the hell am I even doing here? Mm -hmm. I still remember I didn't know how to cook. This paying guest accommodation, there was another guy who took that place with me. His name is Jacob. We're very close friends, family friends today. He said, hey, let's go cook some Indian food tonight because we've been eating sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> and then we go to the Indian shop, we buy some rice and curry powder and chicken and all that. No money to jump in a cab. So I still remember carrying the rice bag in my on my shoulder, walk back home. And the first time I cooked a meal, I knew how to cook an egg, but that's about it. <laughs> but that's the first time I realized curries, the base product is water. Uh, I thought <laughs> mom used to magically make this curry, which would come out from somewhere. So I said, oh, you just make more water and this, you know, with this onion and tomato and it kind of becomes a paste. And then you put the masala. I never knew water was the core content in a curry and how stupid. I'm a 28 or 29 year old man who's completely clueless about the world and life. But I cherish all those days. I became the biryani cook. In university, friends used to host parties and get me to cook biryani and they used to invite all these people and I'm the <laughs> master chef, biryani chef. That's interesting. But I, I enjoyed cooking and that was my first six months. Uh, and as the, as the first, that six months semester was ending, reality started hitting me really hard saying, how am I going to survive the next six months and pay my fees and and, and everything else. And it came to a point I was running out of funds completely. No, no money, literally. And I still remember most of my uni life, I used to make 
in Sundays, I used to make six boxes of dal and rice and stack it up in the fridge, and I used to eat dal rice every day. Fridays was the day I would save $5.25 $0.25 was a small pack of a Chinese meal with rice and some chicken. So mm-hmm. that was my the meal of the day, the, the meal of the week. Mm-hmm. I used to really look forward to Fridays to spend that, buy that meal. Otherwise, I couldn't afford to buy coffees and yeah so anyway so i was studying in university luckily that that first semester break or second i can't remember first to second uh, this it was the break summer break and yeah it was the summer break yeah because i came in july so that december jan period professor ghosh gave me a opportunity to do some research work for him and he said if you do this then probably there's some work i can pay you for doing some research activity Hmm. And I did that initial research and he gave me an opportunity to do further research and I started getting some money through that process, but still not enough to even think of paying the fees or sustain my rent and other stuff. And then magically one day I was was sitting and thinking about what am I going to do? And I said, I've got this opportunity to do this research. I said, well, I'm not going to worry about how I'm going to pay my fees or my food and my other stuff. I've got some bare minimum to survive. But what's most important, I said, I'm just going to give my 100% to this research activity. I've never done research in my life, that to academic-based research. So I said, I'm going to give my 100% to this and really smash it out of the park. I don't care what the outcome and the result is going to be, whether I'll get the job or not. Mm. And I literally made that choice at that point saying, I'll not honestly worry about the fees and I just forgot about it. Two days later, I get a call from a friend who knows I'm in Australia and all that stuff. He says, uh, how are you? And we're having this chat. And he says, so how are you planning to pay your fees? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like He might have known, I don't remember. And Shaju is a very close friend and he's been a great help all my life. And he says, listen, so I'll fund 50% of your fees. Like I haven't even asked. And he mm. just from nowhere says, I'll fund 50% of your fees and you pay me back after you get a job and this is the interest I'll charge. And I'm like, yeah, cool, man. Thank you. Mm. That's amazing. It was a favor, but it was still okay. At least there were some rules around it that I had mm. to pay him back. In interest. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, half the problem is solved. Go back to my research. The following day, I get another call from my cousin's husband, not even my direct sister's husband, my cousin's husband who lives in the UK, Anand, and he starts having a chat with me about life in Australia, how is it as a student? Mm. He starts saying, I used to have a lot of challenges as a student. And I'm sitting and listening. And Anand and I, we're not very close. So then, then towards the end, he says, listen, if you need any help with your fees and other stuff, let me know. I really want to help you. And I'm like, Sorry, what are you like? <laughs> what's going on now? You, again, you see, people can treat this as luck, right? Mm. But I think, funnily, luck is something what you can probably create for yourself too. Mm. That's what I started believing in, right? And truly being that, let the universe figure it out, right? Mm. You create the intention mm. from a state of purity, Mm. not mm. from a state of anger and upset and hate and hatred mm. and all that from a state of purity create an intention that you know 
it, it will come to me. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and then leave it. If it doesn't come, it doesn't come, right? If it comes, it comes, right? Don't have to go back reasoning all this, right? Just be in that moment, right? Mm. So I actually didn't say yes to him because I was very, it was <laughs> very awkward for me because she never called me and it's her husband calling me. And I'm like, how are these people even figuring all this out that I'm, I'm probably going through something and they want to help me. And well, I say nothing. I say, okay, that's fine. I'll think about it and I'll come back. And I hang up the phone. Two minutes later, there's a text message comes from him saying, I actually mean it. Don't say no. Just let me know how much I can fund you up to some, I can't remember, 5,000 pounds or 10. And when I saw the number, I'm like, the half what Shaju said he'll help and this money will take me for the next one. So essentially, I accepted both the things. And obviously, I set an expectation that I'll pay back in certain time and all that stuff. But that was a big shake for me. It shook me up completely. Like the power of intention, what I created at that point in time. And it was all done out of, you know, complete innocence. It was not like pre-mediated. And I said, I have to have this intention and this mm -hmm. magically will come. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, so I survived the remaining six months. And finally, I got, start getting paid by the university. Not much. It was about $800,000 a month, roughly for the research work. And I started winning some projects for the research department through the university. So we started getting some industry projects. I started applying for grants through them. So it was one thing after the unfolding for me. One option was uh, Professor Goh said we should probably try and commercialize what we're doing here. But I didn't have much time I needed money and, you know, I finished my education. My second second term, I finished, I smashed it out of the park. Like research, I smashed it. My first paper got nominated for the best paper award. And I'm like, I and academic research are very far away. Right? <laughs> 12th, 12th standard failure and doing research and his first paper getting nominated for the best paper award. And it's just too unreal. But obviously, I wanted to get back into the industry and work. So, and uh, make some money. question here. 10 years that you worked on a business where you interacted with people uh, who were well accomplished. So my question is, uh, do you give those experiences as reasons for how you shaped up the second part of your uh, life where uh, you studied, you did extremely well, where you had failed in the past? So I think though that 10-year career, I worked with, you know, Shiv Kumar Reddy, who I'm told is no more now. I'm not sure. I'm sorry if I've got wrong information about that. I've tried to track him down. I couldn't find him. Ramana Murthy was another person who unfortunately passed away during my time in India. He was another CEO. He was fireman. I would sit in his office and I will be coding and his staff will be coming in and talking to him. I was seeing the decisions he was making. I was listening to confidential conversations. So I was there confident for many of the CEOs and owners of the businesses, right? I did some work for Usha Group in those days and their general manager used to sit down and talk to me about stuff. And Usha I fan? Soft. Usha fan? Yeah, yeah Usha fan, fan yeah. Mm -hmm. So I we built their complete retail management system in those days. And I, I still wonder, pinch myself, what the hell, man? Like we were turning out of my software, which I'd built 
like they were turning you know crores of rupees during their sale seasons and stuff like so i never really it never occurred to me that that's what is happening right mm. for me i built that 5 10000 20000 rupees software and that's it that is all i was that was the world i was in i was not in the world of okay this is actually the software is helping them enable like the software enable 3000 report cards to be printed you know every fortnight mm. for 10 years right obviously we enhanced the tool but the connection of the dots obviously happened later in life but i was in a very impressionable age mm. if that makes sense you know i could have got you know i could have got hooked into onto drugs and alcohol and stuff very easily but i got hooked into ceos running companies if that right. makes sense right 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 i know you know i was inspired by their energy their mm. innate energy to do things and seen them in 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 very tough situations and very great situations and very complex situations the decisions what they were making and for some reason they many of them confided in me it was like i was very easy to talk to maybe i don't know what like i was young but i could deal with you know people much more senior and more experienced mm. than me and i just i was just being myself mm. there was no filter or anything right even today like in meetings with with boards when i present to boards there's no filter and they're like who's this guy coming and just telling us how it is and i'm like well i don't know how to sugarcoat it unfortunately <laughs> i can sugarcoat it now i learn how to sugarcoat but i'm like when i'm in the midst of doing what i'm being paid for this is what you get hmm. if you want sugarcoat go somewhere else right and it's it's a hard hard line to cross hmm. it's a hard some people do it in a rude manner but you have to be firm and polite in yeah. what you want to say yeah. you don't have to be rude and nasty about certain yeah. things and authenticity always pays in in long term is what i have understood so correct and it's tough to be authentic it's tough to be honest it's tough to tell customers you've got a problem right and you've got to do something about it and they may not trust you they say or oh, they're saying it just because they want to make more money out of me and i'm like fine don't pay me the money pay someone else mm. right go to my competition and do the business with them but fix your problem right Mm, right. if you think i'm going to make the money so please don't give me the money right so that authenticity is there and it's it's hard and some people say why do you do that in meetings we should have kept the deal to us and i'm like well yeah yeah keep it to yourself and then you see what's going to happen i appreciate you questioning that. every single point what you do every single penny will be questioned they'll not doubt they'll continue to doubt you it's better to let them be and fine go Right. you know some clients you know go and come back after 6 months saying okay we've messed up so, you know that <laughs> so I'll, i'll definitely come to your stickman business uh, very shortly i just want to uh, still hung up in my mind so once you finished your education how did you find a job how was it in 2003 is when you uh, did your masters right how easy or difficult was finding a job that time so that was another interesting story it was not easy to get a break in the industry even before i graduated i was applying for jobs and i was not getting a single interview call i used to get those automated emails saying thank you for your application but we'll come back to you later mm. i had the option to set up something within the university small time consulting but yeah it was too complicated bureaucracy of the university setting up another 
I was trying every possible avenue, but I said, I really need a job right now so that I can make some money and help out my parents a little bit and, and just get into that zone. Right. So, so as usual, I'm applying for jobs and then this job comes up looking for project managers. Please don't send your resume. I'm like, what? Hmm. (laughs) Just imagine you're in the midst of applying jobs and a job ad comes saying, please don't send your resume. And I'm like, I need to read this. So it actually says, don't send your resume, please. uh, I think it was 200 words or 500 words of why do you think you will be a good project manager? Hmm. That's all. And in that moment, I wrote something. I wish I had the script uh, (laughs) saved somewhere. I wrote something and two days later, I get the interview call. I'm like, this is awesome, man. Like they (laughs) haven't even seen my resume and they want to do an interview. So it was a phone interview. They said, that's fine. You've, we would like to meet you now. I do the interview. It was supposed to be for an hour, but it goes for an hour and a half. It goes for two hours. They grilled the shit out of me. And thanks to Nick and Steve, who were my first employers in this country. So two days later, they offer me a job. And there you go from eating dal and rice for seven days a week. I could now finally think of afford a proper meal. So yeah, that's how I landed up with this company called ITPM. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. So I get a bit emotional when I think about how it <laughs> No, it's a total it's roller coaster story, you know, especially when you had uh, lived very differently in India anyway. And from there on, you worked with this company for a while. And were you in cybersecurity from day one? So I was with ITPM for two years. First year, I ran projects for one of their co-clients was Energy Australia and a few other small projects. Second year, they put me into a company called Cisco Systems. And that's Mm -hmm. where I got some experience in cyber. It was not called cyber in those days. It was basically IT security. We'll go into the distinction between cyber and IT later, but uh, it was never called cyber or the word cyber didn't even exist, I think, uh, in a sense, or never used as commonly as it is used today. But it was mostly IT security or information security or potentially data security. Right. But with Cisco, we were running projects, all different types of projects. Some projects were in security, so I had the chance to do some major firewalls and some new technologies. So I I worked in the advanced services division of Cisco as a contractor. And advanced services is one division which they bring out new products, which partners are not yet trained on how to implement it. So it was a niche team of advanced services engineers across the world. I think they had a, not a very large team. It was a niche team. So only those people across the world knew how to implement that technology. I see. So I was managing, they were small projects, but very high profile. Because if that project became a success, then it will run into millions of dollars of work for Cisco later on. right? So I was managing those advanced services projects for Cisco in those days. And it was very good. And some of the engine, not, not some, I should say, actually, most of the engineers were like really good at what they did. And I still do keep in touch with a few of them over the years. So so I ran those projects and that's where I got insight into, into security, right? And then I, I leave ITPM as a 
they were paying me full-time salary and I was contracting through them into these companies. But that's the time I said I'll go contracting on my own and I want mm-hmm. to start something on my okay. own. Before that, yeah. Ajay, one quick question here. Most people who are project managers today, they come from traditional development, testing or whatever, and then they lead small teams and then they become project manager. They might be doing some PNP certification or uh, Agile certification and so on and so forth. So they have some sort of training in project management. For you, it was quite different. You ran a company and of course you project managed, but there was no formal project management experience for you. So when you started here as a project manager, did you find any difference in the way others were managing project versus you were doing with your experience? If it was not for Nick and Steve, I wouldn't have actually ever become a project manager, right? Because I didn't come with that standard PMP experience, right? Mm-hmm. You know, project management professional experience, or I didn't even know how to use Microsoft Project properly enough, right? Because right. the projects I ran was on Excel sheets and through through leadership, right? It was more, for, so I was not that 101 project management principles True. guy, right? Yeah, that Who would open the book. Yeah. Yeah, so I was more that people person building relationships and getting stuff done and not somebody who would have a book of finance management and projects and uh, time management and milestone. I learned that on the go and that's where Nick and Steve gave me some gave me the opportunity to go learn that that was the, their company they they ran and I was just smashing it out of the park right. 2 years I think at one point they started choosing best performer of the month and I hit like three or four months in a row. Uh, That really, for me, it was like learning something new and putting myself out there wasn't ever a challenge, right? Mm. And I think one of the lessons I have learned is I used to always say, even up until recently, I said, I was the guy you throw throw me in the middle of the ocean and I'll figure out a way to swim back. Mm. It's, It's a good state of mind but i don't i wouldn't recommend that to people starting off their career today yeah. if you can always put yourself in that emergency situation kind of mindset and figure out ways to live your life you know it's a lot of fun and a lot of adventure and all that stuff if if you want want to build something you need to sometimes take a few steps back right and then if you really want to jump in the middle of the ocean do that but do it with some prior thinking, right? Mm, mm. And then have have that fun and enjoyment. I've had this innate thing of blindly getting into things, right? Without even assessing it. Mm. And I've made enough mistakes, like thousands and thousands of mistakes. Yeah, I've learned quite a lot. And one of the learnings as well, even if you plan, you will still potentially make mistakes. Mm. But you have assessed the risk. You've actually done some assessment of the risk and you know what you're getting into. Don't just go completely blind, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I've made those quick decisions and I'm like, that was sheer stupidity on my part, haste, without really thinking. Touch wood, there are businesses who get wiped out because of this decision-making mm-hmm. style. And I've had the perseverance to follow through, follow, follow through, through, follow through, follow through, and perceive, 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 and make it happen, right? And not everybody has that. Yeah, it's kind of a muscle building uh, exercise. You can't go to gym and do 100 kilogram squat on day one. You got to start small. And uh, I think you have built that muscle of uh, being in a very uncertain environment and figuring out because you've been doing it all your life. And uh, 
your experiences of failing in year 12 and then performing very well in masters and all of those things so mentally you are very tuned uh, doesn't really matter past doesn't de- decide my future and you know anything can be done uh, most people have gone through a very structured traditional success 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 but very mild success all through life so i did very well in school i did very well in college i did reasonably well in job so most people have not really experienced uh, failure in the environment that we live in it's a it's very safe environment that's why uh, it's uh, at, at some point in time people start to feel like they are stuck because they have not really built that muscle of being in an uncertain environment taking risk and doing things differently which which from your story one you are a good storyteller uh, you remember from the time you were 8 year old and very vividly you explained those things and uh, you've been very intuitive and uh, uh, you are tuned to that way of thinking and that's why probably it works for you for most people as you rightly said don't do that stupidity once you build yourself to that level maybe you can do it but don't start with that is the message you gave and which i completely yeah agree. so so it's okay to jump off the cliff right it's okay to jump in the middle of the ocean with full sharks infested and you say i'll figure out a way i'll fight my way with the shark but jump knowing that there are sharks right mm-hmm. you're making that decision consciously like in business at least be be conscious don't go into stuff unconsciously there is a aspect of gut feel there's an aspect of intuition and there's an aspect of no feel there is some feeling but there's there's a aspect of stupidity like i assess myself quite harshly and i know i have done some very stupid decisions or made some really idiotic decisions which i shouldn't have because that first feeling you get and then you say it's okay maybe that guy said something in the meeting that's why i didn't like it and i should be a bit more understanding and accepting and uh, go ahead with this hire or go ahead with this business partnership and then very soon you start realizing and then you sit on it saying oh maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong let it go and then before you know you've spent shit lot of money and time and 6 months is gone and it's too difficult to fix uh, certain things right as i said Understand. Understand. some of those partnerships can kill you completely perfect so coming on to stickman so now you left itpm and uh, started to contract on your own and uh, you got into cyber security space itself right Based so the first project wasn't in cyber the first project was just a project management gig okay. for an outage management system they had some security components in it in those days that was the time when security started getting noticed or becoming a discipline of its own right and stuff others yeah. it was always kind of clubbed or muddled into it itself right within the network i still remember when we got our first security project i had to run everybody in the room the ci saying oh who who do we give this to ah uh, that guy looks okay you take the security <laughs> like like there was no cio c ciso chief information security officer or head of security that roles never really did not kind exist. of existed yeah. they might have existed in you know some other type but most organizations never actually had that kind of work so when i started contracting there was no company i was just contracting but then the story of stickman goes back to my software development days so i was looking at registering a company and the first name which came to me which i was almost going to register was enterprise solutions as in universal, universal but yeah, spelled universal universal as in with my last name yeah 
and i kept looking at that and like man this this looks a bit, <laughs> bit too much people will remember it but it looks a bit silly too and funny yeah. and i said well i'm not very attached to having a company with my name on it yeah. or something so but then some i don't this is the story i can't vividly remember but some day this whole stick figure i used to use for drawing flow charts and stuff in software yeah, yeah. and i don't know how it just occurred to me and i'm like oh stickman let's try that and i went into word and i drew a stickman and i created the logo with the s and the t being the stick stickman s t i c k and then that's it the first logo was not the one you're seeing in the background screen but mm. it is a very basic logo of uh, of stickman drawn on a word on a word document and then there was some party we had organized at home and this guy said oh i am a designer so i gave it to him he helped me build a business card uh, and before i knew i had a business card called stickman consulting and i just started i said i'll do project management consulting and with that card is when i went and met the then uh, head of it cio a large utilities firm in australia and uh, I, i was actually working for them as a contractor running projects Mm. and i knew my projects were ending so i went and said i said uh, hey malcolm his name was malcolm i said malcolm give us give me a most difficult project and i want to run it and he chuckled and he said nobody has sold me services like this before and i'm like i'm not selling you anything i really know what i'm what i can do and try me out you know and i actually went and i said i was actually yearning for the most difficult project right can you read that and then two days later he said oh there's something called this pci compliance which is the payment card industry data security standards compliance we have no idea you know i'm sure you have no idea but you asked for a difficult one here you go i'll give you four weeks to figure out what to do how much to do the current budget is not approved it's 5 million dollars nobody's going to approve that you come and tell me exactly figure out what's needed and how long and how much we'll review it and if it looks okay we'll take it to the steering committee and then get approved so four weeks later we asked for 1.6 million dollars and eight months to deliver the project as in not 1.6 million to me but to cost the project cost to the project yeah thanks for listening uh, this is the end of part 1 of this episode i had a choice to cut the conversation down to one episode but i felt ajay had shared so much of value that i'll be doing disservice to you if i cut those out and so the rest of the conversation has been captured in part 2 of this episode i hope you will hope you will enjoy the second part even more